College Soccer Nation. I hope you've been well. We are back. This is Matt Mott. I'm the head soccer coach at the University of Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> some changes have gone on here in College Soccer Nation, but we're excited to be back with you. I've got Brian Lee, the head coach of the Rice Owls, and Robbie Church, the head coach of the Blue Dude, Duke Blue Devils. Um, we are thrilled to be back on. We've had a lot of requests to do a show, so we're, this is our kind of summer show. Uh, fellas, how we doing? Boomer Sooner. Boomer <laughs> Sooner. <laughs> uh, it has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It does. If ever a guy looked like Boomer Sooner, he's <laughs> here. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations there. Thank, congratulations to you. you Thanks, uh, Churchy. I appreciate it. It was uh, – it was a, um, oh, it's been a whirlwind month to say the least. So, um, you know, really tough decision. Um, had, you know, obviously a fantastic time and, and run and, um, you know, at, at, uh, at, at Ole Miss and, and love my time there and proud of what we accomplished. But, um, you know, got an opportunity to, to come to join a fantastic athletic department and, um, you know, kind of took it. So, I, I will. We can walk through it real quick. I know Brian. You wanted to maybe go through how it's how it went, how it's gone, and yeah. certainly happy to share with to them. Yeah, the people that. Yeah, the process of of a job kind of situation like this, and um, it was it was crazy. I mean, certainly I was not I was not looking. I wasn't job hunting or anything like that. But um, you know, they let go the the former coach here, um, and I got a call from search committee asking if I'd be interested in talking to the the folks here at Oklahoma and I certainly said I would um you know I think along those lines you know doing it the right way I, I called my 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 sports supervisor and told him that they reached out and uh, was going to talk to him but at this point you know I, I was very happy at Ole Miss and, and not looking to make a move and I think side note for those that know Matt Ma like I have three children two of my kids are are one's a senior at at Ole Miss the other one's a freshman at Ole Miss and my third one is going to be a senior in high school so certainly not maybe the most ideal time to be making a, a coaching move but so I talked to um, I did a zoom call with the the, the AD and the uh, SWA from um, from Oklahoma I was really impressed um, with them and their vision and and our RAD Joe Casiglione is just one of the best in all of college sports and um, so I got off the zoom call felt like it went well and um, they called me maybe a half an hour later and asked if I'd come in the next day. Um, so I flew to Norman um, on, this was on Wednesday, it was a Zoom call, flew to Norman on Thursday. I was there Thursday and Friday, um, kind of under the cover of darkness and um, headed mm -hmm. out Friday, Saturday morning, uh, Joe Castiglione called and, and offered me the, the job. And, you know, they say, you know, I made an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> I'd say that's probably pretty accurate but also um from a process standpoint it was it was a whirlwind for sure and so i uh my wife and i you know talked about it and, and discussed it i called the Ole miss people they knew all along what was going on i called them and and um you know decided to to make the move it, it was uh definitely a tough decision from a, from a family standpoint from caring about the kids at at um at Ole miss the players at Ole miss and and the staff and all of that kind of stuff but um at this point, you know, the right decision for me. And, and to be honest with you, one of the big, I think one of the big attractive things for OU with me 
And one of the big things for me was that, um, you know, we have one year left in the Big 12 and then we're, we're headed to the SEC. So that idea of, I think, my 20 years in the SEC of experience was certainly something they were intrigued by. And, and then certainly my idea, I, I probably wouldn't have come if they weren't going back into the SEC because I think that that's a conference I'm very comfortable with and familiar with. But having one more year in the Big 12 is, is really, really exciting for sure. Robbie, yeah, I, I want to talk about this process a little more. Yep. This search firms coming into soccer. Whatever. What do you think about that from like a change of 10 years ago? Or when do you think this started happening? And how effective do you think they are? What's your thoughts? You know, I, I think this probably started happening about four years ago. I started hearing about this four to five years ago. Uh, my former, a, when I was at Vanderbilt, Todd Turner is runs mm -hmm. a search firm. For him and he I, I talked to him probably you know a couple times a year and we talk about candidates that are out there we talk about you know up and coming coaches that are out there so they have a list they're sort of like ad's i feel like they're like ad's they all have a list okay you know they have a list of top female coaches top male coaches you know lists who they think would move if they if you know if the, the right job open up who may who they know may not move you know to the call so i think they do a lot of research they do reach out to a lot of people um you know but i think it's like the other thing i would ask too matt you know and if you don't mind i don't know too but do you have an agent i mean i think that's something else i think search firms and agents have um have been something that has really come into the fold probably the last four or five years. Yeah, no, it's funny. You know, I, I actually talked to Brian and, and Chris Petroselli a bunch about having an agent and thought yep. if, you know, we had a season where I was going to renegotiate a contract at Ole Miss, I would have hired an agent at that point. But, yep. and I really considered, but it went so fast. I, I was, I zoomed on a Wednesday, was hired on Saturday. So, yep. um, and this situation probably didn't need one, but I think it's, it's where we're headed. I know a lot of coaches now are adding them. I think it's a good idea. I think yep. uh, I will have one um, if, again, uh, I feel the need here at Oklahoma. Um, but it, it's certainly a um, – I'm with you. And, and Brian, and Brian's right. Like, the search firms now have become – I think what happens is all the universities have them on retainer. So regardless of it's a football coach search or a basketball coach search, because the, the lady that I spoke to had done had done work with the, the Chris Beard hire at – at Ole Miss, so she's kind of that. Her company is linked to to Oklahoma and Ole Miss, so um, you know there was some some continuity there. But I do think most of these firms ha are linked to the schools. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think going back to the agents, I, I definitely think if if I wasn't so darn old, um, you know, I would probably have one. But you know, at this stage, I don't I don't need one. But I think as young coaches that listen to this, yeah, I think that is something that's that has popped up, and I would I would look into that, and you know, obviously do your due diligence and find a good a, a good agent out there too. But that's probably something that's uh, that's moving moving in women's soccer coaches' directions. The, the and for the younger coaches, or just and you, you don't have to be that young. Anyone who's looking for jobs or is going to renegotiate a contract, who's worried about the cost of an agent, they pay for themselves in your first renegotiation. They know the things to ask for that we don't, that right. might not be salary related, but they're bottom line income related. Right. So if, if everybody, every division one coach right now should have an agent or be in discussions to add an agent, um, it's it's just a no brainer. It's a it's it's free, it basically. Yeah, it really is. And I think the other side that you touched on, Brian, is um, 
if you if you're at a spot where you know that's not your landing spot, that's not where you return, right? Churchy's different. He's he's there. He's Mr. Duke, right? But if you're at a spot where you do think at some point you would want to move jobs, that's the easiest way for sure to get involved in in in, in searches. So I'm I'm with you. I think it's a really good really good idea. I, I certainly will be hiring one here soon. Um, but this one just went too fast for me to 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 get one in place. Matt, let's really briefly just talk specifically to the OU job, and then we'll talk about other off-season changes. The, yeah. Now that you've been there a week, maybe two weeks? How long has it been? Two weeks, yeah. It'll be three weeks actually on Thursday. Yeah. And you're coming from Ole Miss, a successful SEC program, been to a couple of Sweet 16s, you know, done well in that league. Why do you think it's never clicked at Oklahoma? And they national champions in softball, gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, right? it's it's uh, it's so funny. Um, my office. So when you walk in our door, the first office you come to is softball. Right. They've won back to back national champions. They've won six. They're 54 and one. They're rolling into this year. They're unbelievable. Then it's my office. Then it's the gymnastics coach's office, who's won six and just won this year's national championship in gymnastics. So I'm telling everybody there's 12 national championships in our little suite. Um, they, <laughs> they have 12, but I am here with them. So yeah, I'm, I'm sandwiched between them. So I said to my boss, there's no pressure down here, but, um, I, you know, Brian, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a strong opinion, um, on why it hasn't, uh, you know, we're, we're recruiting and things are going really well and, and it's a really great place and they're winning at everything they do 42 national championships. So it's an unbelievable athletic department. I don't really have my handle on why it hasn't worked, um, but I mean, I have some ideas that I'm probably not going to share on on College Soccer Nation. But uh, I'm I'm really happy to be here. You know, I was able to bring in um, a majority of my staff, um, and I think that we've hit the ground running and excited for what the future could be here. All right, and then on the flip, so Ole Miss had to find a new coach, right? The uh, the guy. Before them, left behind some softball hat, hot jackets. Is that what they call it? <laughs> Your signature look? It's the softball yeah. hot jacket. Yeah, I got the, a nice one here already, Brian. We're ready to roll, buddy. Oh, don't you worry. Oh, okay. A couple of nice ones. You'll see. I don't think they're the gonna, ball. I don't think those ones at Ole Miss are going to fit the new coach. But, <laughs> no. You know, that hire kind of a common trend right now is D two coaches who've done well. And I know she was at a D1, but started as a D2, and they transitioned, I mm -hmm. think, while she was the coach, Molly Rouse. Right. And it, that's following, you know, Jeff at Michigan State. It's probably an A-plus hire, one of the best hires of the last five years. You know, Sean's done well at LSU, Michelle Leonard at Baylor. What do you all think about that trend? Because what, what we see happening, or what I see happening, is a lot of these jobs, major power five assistant coaches, associate head coaches are interviewing who've done – really well and or the programs have done really well but they're getting beat out by these coaches with experience at a lower level what's y'all's thoughts anything Brian? i think you just said it i think ad's are looking at experience now they're looking at head coaches they're looking at successful head coaches so if they can't get a sitting head coach that they want to come to their school some of them are looking okay they've been through the ringers they've made the decisions as division two head coaches you know, Division II soccer, there's some really good pockets of Division II soccer around the country. You know, some really high level of play, of play, really, really good coaching, really good recruiting. 
um, you know, communicator that they have. So they're getting a coach that's already been in that seat. They're not moving over, what do they say, 18 inches or something to that seat. They've already yeah. been in that seat and they've made those decisions. They've made the tough decisions, um, you know, with, with players too. So I think it makes some sense. And I think just as you named, and I think there's a few more, Gary over here at East Carolina had a really good year coming for Lenore Ryan. Uh, in our state. So there's a lot of division two coaches that are making that jump and they, and they're making their hitting the ground running and they're, they're becoming very, very successful. So I think they look across the country and see all the success has been made by those coaches. And, you know, a lot of them are especially looking to, uh, to continue that success and bring them into. Programs. So but, I think that I, I, you know, I'm going to take the other side of this, Brian, just for the sake of college soccer nation. I was an assistant coach when I got the opportunity at Ole Miss um, you know, you look around, Kobe Hale was an assistant coach at UCF and he got an opportunity. Wes Hart was an assistant coach. And he got an opportunity. Billy Lassane, I mean, Kadani, uh, James Armstrong. There's a lot of us, and I'm, I know I'm missing a ton, but there's a lot of people in that category that have done well. Um, so it is a little bit of a change, I think. And I don't know why. And I just wonder, like, do what, what do you recommend to a, what would you guys recommend to a somebody that's been associate coach that say five or six years or, you know, even longer um, if they want to be a head coach in the power five is the route go be a head coach somewhere. I mean, you know, you look at some of the mid-major guys like aren't necessarily getting some opportunities either. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the recipe is. Um, is it, you got to be a head coach. You got to show the experience because Churchy's right. I mean, there's been plenty of coaches, that have been hired that haven't been able to make that transition from assistant to or associate head coach to head coach, but it, it's um it's it's got a little bit mind boggling for some of it to be to be dead honest on um how people are getting jobs is what I would say. I, yeah, I, I think you've got to come out of a successful program. Is that associate mm -hmm. head coach coming out of a successful program, or is that a division two coaches that's winning and and consistently winning? to coming out of that program. I still think the path to a lot of the power five jobs will still be the associate head coach. I really mm -hmm. do. I think and yeah. a good and a good power five team uh and a successful team, I still think that's gonna be that's that's a path to go. But I do think that and we all think I think that, you know, you look back in the last three or four years, they've started to dip into the head coaches of successful division two teams. Yeah. Well man man management doesn't change from the divisions or level of soccer and I think right now plenty of athletic departments are more concerned can you run the program than wins and losses as well because there's always a risk in taking someone who hasn't been in that hot seat everyone can do the x's and o's to some degree sure it's how can how do you manage individual player meetings how do you manage the kids through the course of the year how do you manage kids who aren't playing or aggressive parents or you know all those those sorts of things um and be it having sat in the seat, regardless, if you've been successful at D2, that part of it doesn't change. But then let's kind of move on from this. The 38 yeah. changes. Oklahoma, probably the biggest athletic department job, but a bit of a bombshell out of Denver with Jeff Hooker leaving. Mm. Legend, as successful a mid-major coach yeah. as there's been for the last 20 or 30 years. Sure. We can for me, here's an interesting question for you too. So what's a better job for your day-to-day -day life, Denver 
or a job, you know, like Ole Miss where Matt was or LSU where I was or Mississippi State, you know, down in the Gulf Coast where it's very, very hard to get good play, good enough players to compete in that league. And you don't live in Denver. Whoever takes that Denver job wakes up every morning in Denver. And <laughs> we're still soccer coaches. And no offense, yeah. I mean, Oxford, Mississippi's awesome. Starkville, Mississippi's awesome. Baton Rouge, Louisiana is awesome. They're great places to visit. But the soccer coach got to wake up there every morning as well. And it's a very, very different lifestyle. So yeah. you're looking at jobs, the pay discrepancy between those two, we're still soccer coach, not that big. It's a super interesting one to me. That Denver job is a great job, except oh, yeah. for your husband, Jeff Hooker, who's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good luck with that. Good. You better yeah. be, you better be you better good. Uh, yeah. He's one of those. I mean, he really is. When you, when you start talking mid-majors history, right? History, you know, um, there's a number of guys probably in that, that have just dominated their entire. T- I mean, you got to, you look at Jeff Hooker, you look at Todd Yelton. Right, dominated in his league for nine or ten years, and Jeff even longer. Like those are tough places to follow. Uh, I would think. I would think. I mean, I'm with you, Brian. It's a great job, great job, and someone's going to be very fortunate. I'm sure the team is good, um, and they're going to take over a fantastic program. But they're going to replace a guy that's won a whole lot. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. But you're right. Nice place to live in Denver. Most of the year, you get a little snow sometimes. You know, if you like cold, you may not want to live there, but fantastic area. Yep. And, you know, everyone says, oh, not that many jobs. 38 jobs switched this year. And we always think the cycle's done. And then, bam, in May, you get probably the best two jobs for different reasons. But Oklahoma and Denver all of a sudden are open. Um, So I'm sure there'll be a couple more changes. All right, last bit on the coaching stuff. Yeah. Give me your – I'll start off, but then you guys give me – your best non-podcast host category, best hire of this offseason so far, I would take Erica Demers from UAB to Cincinnati. UAB, not the easiest job, not a great history. Put them in contention every year to win the league. Uh, Up close and personal, she can recruit. She certainly has got the X's and O's, excellent coach. I think Cincinnati hit a home run. You guys got anybody? Yeah, I, I think that's great. I think she's fantastic, um, Brian. I think she's a really, really good choice. Another good choice for me is Adam Didden going to Richmond. You know, mm. how hard is it to win at Davidson? And it took Adam a little while to win there. But he, the last couple of years, he's just done a fantastic job uh, at, at Davidson. And, they're and, you know, it's, he, he is strapped. They are not a lot of support at Davidson. Academically, obviously, we all know it's very difficult to get in. Financially, it's, it's, it's tough. And he did a really, really good job. I think going to Richmond, beautiful conference campus, good soccer, good soccer city, good soccer state, the surrounding area is great. I think Adam's going to do a wonderful job at Richmond. Still mad at him that he's not going to play me uh, on August 20th <laughs> for game, Adam. Uh, so still pissed at that, but I will say good things about you anyway, um, because I think you're going to do a great job at, at Richmond. I think uh, Eddie Rodwinski could jump in that boat, Robbie, of not being happy with me as we canceled our game with Clemson. So I think those are the top two, Brian. I think those are, those are good ones and, and um, you know, good for those. I think they'll do well. Yeah. We got to go to, we got to play at Cincinnati this, uh, this year. I'm not looking forward to it for sure. Well, good All luck right, on let's that. keep it moving. We, we got a lot of topics here. Um, June 15th, 
is right around the corner, which again, for those that uh, don't know the NCA rules or, you know, parents listening or whatever, that is the first time we can reach out to the rising, um, rising juniors. Um, so exciting time for the 25 class. Um, um, so that will be coming through um, soon. And um, now what do you guys think? I, I'm just going to say this and I'll let you guys talk. Last year, I think I called, I think I called maybe eh, 15 to 20 players that we felt comfortable with um, and had a good conversation with. And we ended up signing one of them. Um, so oh, wow. again, I don't know. Again, I, I think if you're a player out there, you shouldn't panic if your school that you really want to go to doesn't call you. I think there is some time for us to continue to evaluate. Obviously, they have the big event, ECNL event, the GA event at the end of the month. So I wouldn't be – these are the only people that will ever call me. If they don't call you on June 15th would be what I think. But you guys give me some thought. Brian, let me go. Yeah. The uh, – you know, I think it's an important day. I think the kids are really excited about it. We're kind of in the same boat. We start with a list of 25 kids, you know, yeah. of the 25 – Maybe five don't have an interest in us or have a hard time you know, even getting them to call back. So we get down to 20 pretty quick, and that gives us a nice base. And we're probably in it last year. We probably maybe 70% of our class came out of came out of June 15th phone calls. But, um, you know, it's a little bit to me. I mentioned earlier, Ole Miss isn't the easiest place to recruit. So right. when the Ole Miss coach calls them on June 15th, that that's not moving the uh, the, you know, whatever the barometer for that kid because it's just like alabama calling and it's just like lsu calling it's just and they're all calling the same kids um mm -hmm. if you don't have a unique little little twist or you don't have the academic piece um and the other thing i think is i find it hilarious so june 15th we'll talk to some kids and they're super excited and then a week later stanford calls them and they're like holy cow i didn't know i was this good um, <laughs> It's really, yeah. it's really what it is to me. Some of them yeah. don't know. And then, <laughs> bam, Stanford calls him, Duke's call, Duke calls him, and they're like, oh, geez, how about this? Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was just counting my – I have it right here in my notebook. I was 22 people we called last year on June 15th. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting because you've already mentioned they have their – the national championships. The GA national championship is, what, seven days later? The 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 um, – you know, ECNL championship. So these kids are training and playing and focused on that. And this, this date drops right in the middle of that. So, terrible. you know, it is terrible. You know, I, I, yeah. I know there's different people with different philosophies. You know, we just kind of introduce ourselves, say hello, check in with them, make sure they know we're interested in them. We'll be at the championships if they're there. We'll be watching them, you know, answer to any questions they have. But I mean, some of these kids you talk to, they are, they are said, you know, they've been on the phone with a couple of people, 45 minutes. They're getting a whole yeah. spill. They're getting a whole spill. You know, everybody's different. Everybody does things their, their own way. But I think it's a good time just to introduce yourself, make sure they know you're interested, make sure you know that you're going to watch them, you're going to see them play, because um, you want to see, you know, you want them to know that you're going to see them and how they're going to perform under under that little pressure with them, too, in the championships. I, and I'm going to give some of the younger coaches some unsolicited advice from the 350-plus-year-olds <laughs> on this. <laughs> you, you don't, during those 45 minutes, you, you don't need 45 minutes, and you don't need to explain the intricacies of your four three three and how <laughs> and then into 
<laughs> next Alex Alex Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Just, that is comedy to me. When so, no offense to anyone who does that, but <laughs> stop doing it. And maybe you'll you know, Brian. They say there's many coach. different ways to skin. There's many different ways to skin a cat. You can say whatever you want, but I think that's very sound advice. If I was uh, was going to agree with you, people can come here for free advice. All right, boys, let's move on. We got a, a list of stuff we want to get to. Next up on the docket is the transfer portal. So lots of names back in here again in May and, and um, people looking to move and make uh, changes. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts on we're now really kind of guess we're two years into this portal, right? I think, but anyway, this yeah. is the more standard. Now you have May 1st through May 15th to go in on the second day, unless there's a coaching change and you get 30 days from the coaching change. Uh, but what, what about some thoughts? I mean, I think it's completely changed college soccer and the ability to turn around a program in a, in a much quicker fashion. If you've got the money open and you get one of these jobs, say you go to Oklahoma or you get Ole Miss, or Denver, mm-hmm. the, you know, first off, it's player retention, right? You know, when Penske sure. got the job at FSU last year, their season could have gone a whole lot differently if all of those kids in the portal had left FSU, yeah. but he did a good job of re-recruiting his own <laughs> Um so I think it's changed things immensely. Michigan State largely built on transfers and got that program turned around in very quick order. Um, and having them all out there, it's I find it a much better system than in the past where you, you feel like people going through back channels and yeah. you don't even know a kid um, was was out there. So for the kids, I think it's fantastic as well. But they got to understand the risk when they put themselves in. I think there are a lot of kids who go in the portal and don't realize they don't have the value that they might have thought they had before they went in. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing if you go in the portal and you're, you know, one of these kids and you're not getting the schools you want? I mean, I guess you're just dropping down, maybe even the, down to Division II, um, because if you're not getting what you need or schools don't have money or whatever, I mean, it's it's a, it's a dicey move. For sure. Yeah. You know, this is the first time that we actually jumped in the portal a lot. And I, from the opening day, I watched it and I was I was absolutely amazed at the names and the numbers and how many people started. And then obviously at the end of the uh, 15 days, what was it? Over 300 kids had jumped in the portal. The one thing they kept I kept thinking about is these kids that were giving up scholarships. You know, we're, we're, you know how many of these kids are going to really relocate back to another school? Are these people giving up money at their in scholarship and in some cases, maybe the only way they can go to a university is to have an athletic scholarship? Are they going to find another one? You know, maybe that's having to drop to Division two. Obviously, three, they can't find a, a scholarship. So how many of these kids left money and now cannot find a home is, uh, I think, a, a really interesting fact for me. Um, and then I think just the, the the sheer number of people and then the timing of it a little bit for us, you know, our missions is closed <laughs> and we had mm-hmm. to beg, and you know, because our application process is closed. We had to beg. We had to let them know that, hey, we are looking for a player in the portal. And we did find one. And it's uh, but, you know, they have to reopen the admissions for, for that person. And and, you know, we're not the only sport that, is, that comes out of port, portal with it, too. So Jersey Art interest- admissions yeah. isn't closed. Okay. So if you have somebody that doesn't work out, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> we'll send them. We'll send them that way with it. There too. you go. Um, we're, I also think. I also think what will change the portal though is the grad transfers. Right now, that uh, COVID, extra COVID years coming to an end, it will slow it down a little bit, but I don't think a ton. 
Um, but I also think, I mean, it works both ways, right? I mean, there's, there's kids that aren't happy and they're not playing. They want to go in the portal. And there's players that I think there's a number of players though, that think, Oh, I'm doing great here. That means, you know, hear me school X. That means now school Y will want me and want to step up. And mm-hmm. maybe they don't, don't really realize that's maybe not an option. So it's pretty interesting. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Well, I think on yeah, the grad transfers, grad transfers have majorly impacted college soccer for the last year or two with this COVID fifth year, especially. And people always got to realize there's different dynamics at each school. Plenty of division one schools don't have graduate programs or have right. very few offerings. Literally. And for those schools, life got a whole lot more difficult with this COVID fifth year and grad transfers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when if you can't take them. Yeah, it's really interesting. Okay, um, we're going to switch gears now, end of the summer. Um, World Cup's coming right around the corner. I saw something the other day. It was like 60 days or something till the uh, first kick of the, the Women's World Cup, which is always an exciting time. And one little quick take on it. You know, I do love World Cup times on, on campuses because, you know, you start getting the radio guys and the TV guys wanting to talk to you about, World Cup, because typically U.S., you know, makes a big splash and there's a ton of media coverage to it. And hopefully we're set up for another really big year in the World Cup of the United States. I, I always obviously will cheer for Brazil a little bit with Rafa still playing. Excited about her. Um, headed there again as one of the center backs. But um, it's pretty exciting time, certainly in our sport, because it gets so much attention. It comes at a great time of year where there's not a ton of sports going on. And, you know, baseball is kind of in their – middle of their season football hasn't kicked up yet and college football hasn't kicked up yet and so i think it's a perfect opportunity for us to get a lot of um excitement around uh women's spot women's soccer and the u.s always seems to come through um and hopefully they do do again but we did want to talk about some of the college players that are playing in, in different countries i uh, i started with rafa and, and i know you guys have something to talk about as well go ahead brian well, yeah, and it's exciting for me. We're in an interesting spot because we've got four kids going in to the pre-camps. They'll be announced mm-hmm. in a little bit, but only one of them's going to make the team for sure. And the other three are in that little fringy 20 to 27. So, you know, they're sitting on pins and needles for the announcement, number one of the of the camps. And then when they get there, am I going to make it through or not? Um, so that's a very, very interesting thing to follow for me. And, you know, if a couple of them, for my own personal summer, if a couple of them make the teams, I'm going to go to Australia and New Zealand and enjoy late July, see a couple games. So <laughs> fantastic! My, my, my vacation schedule is waiting on that as well. Um, Brian, Brian, can you surf? I've been to have surf ever... camp. I have surfed, yes. Oh, I don't you surf, went to surf camp? I went to surf camp in Costa Rica, <laughs> in, Costa Rica in my like early 20s. It was fantastic. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking, that's real surfing there and. You gonna try it out if you go? Uh, no, 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 no. In my younger age, I was very ocean friendly, and uh, now you know I like the sun and stuff. But now I'm scared to death of sharks. I have no idea why. Come on, to... toughen up. No, I'm not gonna get eaten by a uh, shark in New Zealand. I'm gonna tell you. Come I'm gonna tell you when it flipped. You remember Orange Orange Beach, the old SEC? Yeah, yeah. We used to stay sure. in those high rises, so we'd be yeah. on the 15th floor, and the water was super clear that time of year. And yeah. you could stand up on the 15th floor balcony and see sometimes there were hundreds of sharks that you could see in a little no, school. And there'd no be, there'd no be Matt's Aunt <laughs> Betty out in the water waiting to her waist and 30 yards to the right, 60 sharks. 
it's women. And they don't touch her. That's true. That's I, have been, I, I have been to Orange Beach 20, 30 times, and I've never, mm-hmm. I've been on those high rides. I've never one time seen a shark. Do you crazy. Are you looking of for sharks? I'm looking. Oh, they're looking for sharks. Oh, well, you know, with my Coast Guard background, I'm not worried about any sharks. I just punch <laughs> well, them on the head and they give, move on. Luckily, I knew that was coming back. in, the Coast Guard background. <laughs> I knew we were going to work the Coast Guard background. So, so, Brian, you can come to North Carolina. We got plenty of sharks at our coast. Okay. You know, we actually have a couple times, twice last year, I saw alligators in the ocean. So, oh, really? Sharks don't get you. The alligators, the alligators will get you too. Wait, so I'm like you. Alligators are saltwater. They will. I did not think so, but yes, they are. Are those crocodiles? Uh, they could be crocodiles, but they uh, are. Yeah, I, they I mean, are, I'd, I'd rather they're alligators, I mean, crocodiles. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to get close enough. If to you're wrestling one of them, which one would you wrestle? The the alligator or the or the crocodile? I mean, the alligator or the um the shark. shark. Me too. I'm going shark all day. Yeah. I'm going yeah. shark. You yeah. get yeah. death rolled by an alligator, you got no chance. He yeah. gets he death rolls you. It's that's over. your Florida background talking right there, Brian. So oh, see, that's your, again, that's your college head. soccer nation is all encompassing. We're letting you know if you gotta if you gotta wrestle an alligator shark, go with a shark. I mean, that, yes. you don't get that content on Joe Rogan or any of these other big podcasts. <laughs> you don't get that there. You don't get any of that. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, anything else on the uh, on the yeah, Churchy? We got or you want to talk yeah, about the college got, guys you know, going in? You know, again, yeah. final rosters aren't aren't out there. There's in a pre roster, but we got Tony Payne with Nigeria. Uh, it has a really really good chance uh, of making that roster. Obviously, Quinn in, in Canada has been a mainstay uh, with them. With them, we've got um, oh, Kayla McCoy with Jamaica. Um, so it's awesome. just so fun. it's so fun when you see your former players play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it just adds a whole different level to the to the game and stuff. And you're just so proud of them and what they've done and what they've accomplished after they got after they left you. So it's it's fun. Totally so, agree. Yeah. And all right, you know, it's, oh, it's ahead, two months out. Two months out. But yeah, and what's everybody's perspective on the U.S. chances? I had a coach tell me one time, if you ever feel like you know your team's having some internal issues. Never forget the other guys probably more screwed up than you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would thought about our chances. France, yeah. Spain, their turmoil disaster. Everybody's hurt for England. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, this is turning well for us. I mean, obviously, we lost Mallory Pugh, which is a huge, huge loss. Uh, but, you know, bringing back in uh, Julie Ertz and It'll be it'll be great. It's going to be great drama because there are some great teams that you think could really battle us this year, but do they have enough? I mean, there are injuries all over the place, right? And is Macario coming back in the mix is a big question, I think, for the U.S. And um, no, it's it's going to be great. I can't wait. Can't wait to watch it uh, from Norman, Oklahoma. Um, I will not be swimming in the seas of New Zealand's oceans with the sharks. Uh, looking for sharks. All right, uh, let's keep it going. Uh, Church, give us an NWSL current table update. Okay, I'm only going to talk about the regular season. This yeah. Champions League. They Challenge do, Cup, yeah. It's yeah. Challenge Cup. I can't figure out. Is this a regular season game? Is this a Challenge Cup game? What, yeah. you know, what is happening here with the uh, in the <laughs> Challenge Cup with the two? So I think the big story is is there's two big lines here. Number one, I think, is uh, is is our friend Mark Kukoyan. You know, yeah. Mark Kukoyan effect. Uh, have gone from uh, last to uh, one point as we stand right now. Last week they were first. Right now I think they're one point out of first place. 
Um, so again, we all knew that was going to happen, the Mark Okoyan effect. I think that's a that's a really big story. But I think the biggest story is Gotham. Who would have thought yeah. at, at this stage, the first of June, that Gotham FC is gonna is would be sitting there with 16 points? Yeah. Um, the trade that was made to get Lim Williams from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, now has really turned out to be a, a big trade for Gotham. And she has been able to score. I think she is on a mission to get back. Speaking, kind of lead in with the World Cup, with our World Cup group. Um, I think this is the way she's showing her coming back from injury that she belongs in that team on that roster. On that roster, she has been absolutely tearing up the league. But, you know, there's only three points separating the top five. You know, they played eight games. So they played eight games. I've been out to see the Courage play a couple times. Uh, it's been, I, I think at times it's been really, really good soccer. At times it's been a little bit spotty. It's been spotty at this point. But I think typically in June, July, they start to really get to know each other. And I think the level will continue to, to continue to grow. But um, again, places like San Diego, Angel City, you know, Portland, drawing just absolutely phenomenal crowds phenomenal crowds with it too yeah. so i think it's i think it's you know not it's not halfway yet you're probably a quarter way into the season i think it's a good start with the season it's going to be interesting when they when they take a break uh for the world cup and what happens to different people's rosters and yeah teams, you know a lot of teams like mark's group will lose a lot of players and yeah. i think the quality of players that they have that will be able to come back in there to see if they can sustain where they stand in the standings too gotcha Brian, any thoughts on the NWSL table? Yeah, here's what I think. Yeah, you remember before the draft when we were talking about players and who would we pick, who would we want to build a team around, and Jenna Neiswanger? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't think it's a surprise at all as her minutes have gone up with Gotham. They're winning games. Um, and is she's moved into the starting lineup. You know, that kid's just a winner, maybe the best college player in the country last year, certainly in the conversation. Uh, and decisions like that for management, it's always about the players in the end. And that was just a great draft pick. Did you Did see you your goal she scored the other night? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. What a, a missile from about 25 yeah. yards out, 24 yards out and at an angle. Great goal. Now, that's a great point, Brian. Very well done. Hey, again, our College Soccer Nation always appreciates the uh, hard work you put into um, your research and and that is just another fine example of both of you. So, all right, NWSL updates there. Um, last, just last two quick topics. Uh, we did want to talk about scheduling a little bit. And I do think, um, you know, we all are on the listserv and we feel like every day there's more um, <laughs> emails come out that say, due to a late cancellation, we got to add a game. And it's, it's like, I don't know what the, you know, that, we do have that one little spreadsheet churchy that I think helps people. Maybe if we could get yep. more yep. involved in that, maybe more people could put their stuff on that might help, but I don't know. What is the answer to um, obviously contracts is a big part of the answer of, of just getting your due diligence and doing the contracts, but what yep. else can, can help it or not help it? I mean, that, you know, typically, I mean, we're in May and there's very few schedules that have been released for the fall. Sure. Um, and I know like, you know, when I was in the SEC, they're waiting for the SEC network schedule to drop where people drop their schedules and so on and so forth. But is there a way, because I mean, we got, you have parents and fans that want to schedule trips and this and that and here and there. I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on scheduling? Yeah, no, I, you know, I think, I think the contracts are going to be the way to do it. Um, you know, because 
every year, as you say, it's getting later and later returning schedule. As I've already mentioned shamelessly, that we're still looking for a game on August 20th. Anybody out there that has an opening <laughs> on August 20th, get in touch with me right away. Big guarantee. Oh, sorry. But uh, we may, you know, this 42 years, and this may be the first time we have an opening in the weekend. We, we It's a Sunday afternoon, and we can't find a game for a number of reasons. Um, with well, number one is people are tired of getting their ass kicked by Duke. Yeah, that would play a role in it. That would play a role in it. Come on. I will say this, though. Let's just a side note. And we want to talk about expansion a little bit. But if the expansion goes through that we're kind of proposing of the the NCAA tournament, then you could get back to making sense to go play Duke and Caroline. Right now, from an NCAA standpoint, I'm not on the committee anymore, so I can speak freely. But from an RPI standpoint, um, from you know what the committee looks at, Duke and Carolina, unless you're a top ten team trying to be seated, doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, let's just keep it real. Sorry, Church. I didn't mean to say that. We will, never, say that will never have a game ever again. <laughs> no, I'm good saying as long as, we, good luck as long as we, the if we if oh, we add geez. the expansion of the NCAA tournament, everybody wanna play your churchy. You'll be, you'll be knocking people away. They'll be they'll be paying you to come play you. Okay, so. let's go. Let's have the expansion then. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Anything on scheduling, I, I, Brian, real quick? Yeah. Here's my tidbit on scheduling. When you put a note on the listserv on May 20th that you need the game, we don't need it to say due to a late cancellation. I know you're trying to <laughs> give a dig on whoever drops you, but yeah. we all realize it's a late cancellation. It's May 20th. So if you're looking for a game, yes, it's desperate straights. But you, yeah. we don't need the subtle digs at each other with the due to a late cancellation, Matt Mott, you know, yeah. signed, Eddie, yeah. signed Eddie Redwanski. <laughs> no, Eddie did not do that. But. Yeah, but Matt Mott did do that to Eddie. I feel yeah. we, we're giving shout outs. Eddie, I am so sorry. But unfortunately, we're no, not coming not. to Clemson. No, he's yeah. not. No, yeah. Um, all right. What about the what about Brian? What about an update on the extent and the expansion? Well, I mean, it's, from our leadership groups, it sounds like it's a, a, a high possibility that 2024, we're going to see an expanded tournament in conjunction with that. Uh, the Trish Hughes and G are, are pushing to uh, move up the start date to the Sunday before the Thursday because expanded tournament means tournament starts earlier. So it'll start midweek after the conference tournaments instead of the following weekend. So we're trying to get the schedule pushed the, the first date for 2024 pushed to the Sunday uh, instead of that Thursday, pull it back four days, give people room to, you know, finish tournaments a little earlier as well. But Matt, you know, the number, what's the, what is the proposed number? Yeah. What is, uh, what is 64 84? and 32? It's 86. no, sorry. 64 and 16, 64 and 16 is what, what is that number? 82. 82, 80, right? 80. The, the, the thing that we proposed 80. was God, adding, 16, yeah, adding 16 <laughs> more teams and then the bottom 16 and the bottom 32 play each other. Okay. So the bottom 32 play each other. Um, you bring 16 into the field and now it's kind of the regular field. So kind of for, for lack of better terms, like for example, just so we can kind of keep it real, Nebraska didn't get in last year. One of the last teams didn't get in. Okay. Now they would be in and they would play one of the bottom 16 teams and those two teams would play. Then the winner would, the winner of that game 
then would play one of the seeded teams. So now it's a much fairer, fairer bracket. And so instead of Duke being the three seed and playing, you know, a really weak team, now Duke's playing Nebraska or, or whatever. So it would just set up for a much – and now you're also giving some of those teams at the back end an opportunity to win a game, which hasn't really happened in the past. So it takes it to, it takes it to 82, I think it is, right? But it adds 16 more teams is what we're trying to do. And then you would say that group gets a – what would happen is that game would be at the seeded team's location. So they would play each other. You know, the two teams would play, and then the winners would play the, the seeded team. And so that's kind of the top. On the committee, say last year, if we're talking yeah. 16 added teams, you know, the Nebraska's yeah. that were just barely out, they're, yeah. they're well in the tournament. What do the teams look – how many teams was the committee looking at for out at larges kind of on that yeah. back? Right. I, th I think you say, I mean, you're, you're, you're certainly, certainly looking, you know, instead of stopping at 44 or 45, right now you're looking at teams that are RPIs, you know, in the high fifties and low sixties, which are all really, a lot of those are really good teams, right? I mean, Auburn's another one. Auburn would have been in, um, you know, when the last one's out and Oklahoma state, I mean, there were a lot of good teams that didn't make it that in this format would make it. And then again, the RPI doesn't become such a powerful tool because the committee has some real flexibility to get the right teams in um, and give people a legitimate chance. This all came from the base, you know, Commissioner Sankey pushed this hard with the NCAA because Ole Miss was the 64th team in the tournament in baseball and won the national championship. So they could have been very easily out, and but they were clearly good enough to win the national championship. So I do think that's where it's kind of born from in some of the other sports, but I think it makes a lot of sense in our sport. You can't tell me, you know, I watched that Nebraska team. They could have, they could have made a run. Whether they made a championship, I don't know, but they could have made a run. Auburn was certainly good enough. You know, a lot of those teams were good enough to make a good run. And so I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's not really fair that just because you're in a league, you get a bid. I struggle with that because some of the leagues are not at the same level, obviously. One yeah, of those – 16 teams what do you think the power five versus um everybody else or whatever we call it in soccer right power six yeah nine eight. we had nine yeah had power nine. nine yeah i think it's a lot of those teams yeah. yeah i think it's a lot of those teams i do yeah yeah i, I think some people say that's going to be the problem is the the big power teams are going to get almost all the teams in the conference in um, but why is that a bad thing if they're good enough to win I don't think I'm not saying it's bad, but I think that's going to be some of the argument from the mid-level, the mid-major. But ones. but those mid-level teams are at least going to get more of a chance, Churchy. They don't get any chance now, right? right? So again, you look at like even like say say Stanford doesn't win their league and they're sitting at 65. Yeah. Now they got a chance to get in. It's it's not a one. It's not necessarily a one bid league. Now, if that makes sense, right? But, so yeah. some of those leagues that only have been getting ever one bid now maybe they do get a chance to get a second team in. I think is the well, other counter-argument to that. With the expanded tournament starting on that Wednesday as well, how many conferences are going to eliminate their tournaments? Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting. You it certainly would have to pull it back where the, the finals are on Wednesday instead of yeah. the following Sunday. But you got to be willing to pull it back. And does are the tournaments less important if you're going to have 80-some teams? Yeah, in yeah. Which, Good point. which I, I, I would be totally against. I think the, the tournaments are very collegial. I yes. think they're not ideal for rest, work ratios, and all that kind of stuff. And they're not ideal if you play three or four games, you turn around and play in the NCAAs the next week. 
but they're great experiences for the college kids and they love no, it. It's hard to argue, Brian, that the SEC tournament was not more enjoyable for the players than the NCAA tournament to some level. I mean, it's just fact. It's just fact in the, the excitement of it, the crowds, all that kind of stuff. So it's a tricky one for sure to get rid of those, those tournaments. What's the start date? What's the start date they're talking about? 20? What? Uh, 24. This is 2024. 24. Yeah. So we're yeah. talking about one more season. Then it, then yeah. It again. Yeah. I, and and again, the feedback seems very, very positive to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's finish this up. I do have just one quick thing. And again, unfortunately, uh, I do think in the fall, we may be headed towards YouTube, by the way, and doing this where you can watch us talk, which is very exciting. I would think, yeah. <laughs> but Darren has talked about maybe put it on YouTube, maybe not, maybe not me, maybe it's just audio. It's just another platform, but I will say this to the people out there listening. If you were on the video with us now, you would see all three of us need a haircut. Robbie, Robbie needs a, a trim. Brian is a disaster. He's got hair coming out from all angles of his hat. I actually look pretty good as usual. Uh, but the other two need serious haircuts. It's, so it's do us a favor for College Soccer Nation, before we show up in San Diego for East Mail, can you guys at least get a haircut, for God's sakes? <laughs> Are we going to have to dress up for this? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> if we go to YouTube, do we have to wear right. suits? Oh, what yeah. do we have to wear? I have, I have one suit. Yeah. all I got. One time. <laughs> yeah, me too. And one time. And actually, um, you, you know what the uh, first thought of people, if they watch us on YouTube, is going to be? Those guys sound a lot better looking than they are. <laughs> we're made We're made for radio, no doubt. All right, um, guys, so we'll check back in probably in July, but then we'll get going again um, in August. When the season starts, we're going to be a regular, certainly regularly um, on. We, we got our time slot, and um, it'll be good. Uh, but, again, thanks to everybody listening. Uh, Brian Churchy, thanks for jumping on. Darren, thanks for producing us. Um, for May 23rd, College Soccer Nation is out.